It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. How many have taken notice of the increasing lack of truly blue skies, in fact, often filthy, hazy skies with crisscrossing jet particulate trails, not just around us here in the U.S., but even worse white featureless skies in the background of news clips and other film footage from places like China, Africa, Europe, Australia, and South America. The ramifications of toxic climate intervention operations can't be overstated. Stay tuned for news that it takes courage to examine. And this reminder, the hallmark of a healthy mind is an unyielding willingness to face the truth no matter how dire the truth is. On this broadcast, I've relentlessly tried to point out this foundational fact, a philosophy that is completely counter to what power structures have programmed into populations for centuries, literally, to any that may be looking for less than the full truth. Wrong broadcast. Let's start with this. From multiple sources, an inconvenient apocalypse, environmental collapse, climate crisis, and the fate of humanity. That's the title of a recently released book by prominent experts in the field of sustainability and the fact that industrialized, militarized society isn't and never was. Job One for Humanity recently asked this question in a headline report. Was the Club of Rome and MIT study right about soon-arriving resource shortages and the collapse of humanity? For the record, the original report was from 1972. What they predicted is happening, but sooner than they expected. As I've mentioned in so many broadcasts, Biosphere Collapse has beat the power structure to the intersection. Does my mentioning of the Club of Rome and MIT report mean that I condone either institution or those who comprise them? Of course not. But if an individual or an organization we don't like or don't believe to be honorable says, for example, that it's nighttime, and it is, should we take the position that it's day, even if it isn't? Taking an opposing view just to take an opposing view isn't rational. Fundamental truths are what they are, regardless of who acknowledges them or not. The question that remains is this, will populations continue to allow the controllers to decide who will make it through what's coming and who won't? From the skies to the ground, silent wars are being waged against us. How many will summon the courage to face the storm head on while we can still make a difference? On the weather warfare front, Northern California has gone from endless forest-killing ionosphere heater-induced high-pressure heat domes, which are produced by facilities like HARP in Alaska, producing extreme drought and UV radiation, to a chemical cool-down with chemical ice nucleation elements seeded into our cloud cover. Scattered showers below the seeding is the usual schedule, and the flash cool-downs that come with this combination, nighttime temperatures dropped 30 degrees in a day, one day, at my location in Northern California, and the drop came with cloud-covered skies. This is historically backward. Historically speaking, the coldest nights should be clear nights because clouds hold in the warmth. And now, the cloud cover and moisture is used for chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding toxic surface cooldowns. The cloudy, drizzly nights are often astoundingly and unnaturally cold. 
That's the effect that chemical ice nucleation operations have. It often also dries up much or most of the moisture. Chemical ice nucleation can, and all too often, is used to create engineered winter events. Such events confuse and divide populations in regard to the true extent of planetary meltdown that's unfolding. The cold, hot pendulum in the U.S., for example, swings back and forth, with the eastern U.S. most consistently being in the engineered cool-down zone. That's where most Americans live. But for the moment, the western U.S. is getting the flash cool-down and the sensationalized winter weather headlines, while record warmth hits the east. The whole of the so-called climate science community continues to betray the human race and the entire web of life by their denial of climate engineering operations. And that denial is nothing less than criminal. The reward for their tyranny is a paycheck and a pension, neither of which will matter for much longer. Wait and see. Breaking biosphere collapse headlines coming. Stay tuned. First, some unpleasant facts on the never-ending COVID-19 scenario. Let's rewind for a moment. From the National Library of Medicine Center for Biotechnology Information, a peer-reviewed science study that was published just prior to the global COVID-19 pandemic. Here's the title. Fast-Growing Engineered Microbes, New Concerns for Gain-of-Function Research. Here, report states, we review recent research and development of engineered fast-growing strains in the industrial biotechnology sector with a specific focus on vaccine production using synthetic biology and engineered pathogen strains. The report continues, we will discuss whether this represents a security concern and whether the industrial biotech sector needs to pay more attention to issues of gain of function while developing and harnessing these fast-growing microbes. Really? Consider this a possible security concern. How is this not engineering biological warfare pathogens? And for those that don't yet know what gain of function means, it's the term that describes engineering the ability of a pathogen to infect humans from animals, just like what was done with COVID-19. And that's not my opinion. It's peer-reviewed published fact. The journal Nature in 2015 published this peer-reviewed report. Engineered bat virus stirs debate over risky research. November 12, 2015. An experiment that created a hybrid version of bat coronavirus, one related to the virus that causes SARS, i.e. severe acute respiratory disease. There are hundreds of bioengineering labs around the world. What do you think they're doing? Something for the greater good? Who's greater good? The controllers know the planet can no longer support human populations. What should we expect them to do? Inject us to save us? Or do they have other agendas? I'll let the listener decide. Next sample report from last week from chd.org. Systemic reactions to COVID vaccines now being sold to the public as, quote, a feature. The report states, after advertising the benefit of breakthrough infections, mainstream media is now putting a positive spin on systemic side effects by reframing them as signs of a vaccine's effectiveness. If that's not Orwellian doublespeak, what is? The report says last month, U.S. News and World Report gave readers the encouraging news that vaccine failures in the form of so-called breakthrough infections were actually a reason for those who survived them to celebrate added protection from subsequent infection. 
This week, CNN, reporting on a study published last week in the Journal of the American Medical Association, reassured us that the worse you feel after receiving a COVID-19 mRNA injection, the better your protection. How many are actually buying in to this kind of Orwellian doublespeak? Next, from NewsWars.com, leaked hospital email reveals explosion of stillbirths following COVID vaccine rollout. The report then quotes an OBGYN physician as stating this, This is clearly an extreme danger signal. The statistical probability of this occurring by chance is zero. Now let's add this from the Epoch Times and other sources. COVID vaccinated people are seven times as likely to test positive for COVID compared to the unvaccinated. Don't hear any big pharma companies advertising that one, do we? Two final headlines before getting back to the bottom line of Biosphere Collapse. This recent report, food author who celebrated anti-vaxxers, quote, dying in legions, suddenly dead from cardiac arrest. From that report, Julie Powell, a blogger turned influential food author who once celebrated anti-vax and anti-mask people, quote, dying in legions, end quote, suddenly died from cardiac arrest on Tuesday. Powell's husband told the New York Times she died from cardiac arrest with no other information provided. Upon news of her death, social media users quickly highlighted an October tweet from Powell in which she appeared to celebrate COVID-19 killing, quote, some of the right people, end quote. I would argue that COVID does kill some of the right people, she stated. The anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers are dying in legions. That was Powell's tweet. Now she's dead. In one of Powell's former messages, she tweeted about being vaxxed and boosted and couldn't wait to get another booster, despite the fact that her and her husband had been sick from COVID over the past few months. Next short report, same theme. Bodybuilder and fitness author Doug Brignol has passed away at 63 years old. From that report, Brignol died from COVID-19 infection, according to public records from the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner and Coroner. USA Today stated, based on our research, we rate false the claim that Brignol died from the COVID-19 vaccine, despite what social media users claim. The medical examiner who investigated Brignol's death said he died from COVID-19. With all that in mind, consider this word-for-word message from Doug Brignall himself before he died. Quote, I have enough confidence in the vaccine based on my research to get it done. Those of you who think the vaccine kills people can use me as a test. If I die, you were right. If I don't die and have no ill effects, you were wrong and should admit it, at least to yourselves, he says. He continues, better yet, you should admit that you were misled and tell the world who misled you so that other people can benefit by avoiding those fear mongers, end quote. May you rest in peace, Mr. Brignall. This is Dane Wigington with GeoengineeringWatch.org. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it, broadcast. Commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. Let's press on with more wider horizon assessments and breaking frontline reports. But first consider, there's a baffling blind spot in so many of our species, a nearly complete inability to recognize near-term existential threats that are, right now, simultaneously converging from countless directions. Though the global controllers bear the most responsibility for creating the current paradigm of certain self-annihilation in exchange for 
temporary power and material pursuits. There's more than enough blame to go around. As I've pointed out in so many broadcasts, power structures couldn't do what they do without the active or passive support of the majority population. With that in mind, consider the following exponential equation that almost none are willing to consider. It took 100,000 years for the human population to reach 1 billion. To reach the second billion, it took only 100 years. The fourth billion, 50 years. And now we're hitting 8 billion, with the planet's life support systems imploding on every front. Could this picture be any clearer? The current trajectory won't end well. It can't. The global controllers are convinced that it is not only their right to decide who will live and who won't, they believe it is their responsibility to decide. Sadly and perplexingly, so many continue to facilitate the policies of the controllers in exchange for a paycheck and a pension. If this doesn't change, we have no chance. Watching every mainstream media institution cover the elections is truly a harbinger of just how doomed we are, not just so-called societies, but as a species. Viewing the scripted circus of political theater is absolutely shocking, and even more shocking is the fact that so many are caught up in it, from every side of the power structure orchestrated political divide. Surveys of voter concerns state that the primary priorities of the U.S. population are the economy and the price of gas. The tidal wave of extremely near-term total collapse, environmental and societal, that's looming over our collective heads isn't even on the radar for the vast majority. How bad is it? How dark is the horizon? It's bleaker and blacker than almost any yet dare to imagine, with highly toxic climate engineering operations further fueling our near-term demise. But the experts would warn us if things were so bad, wouldn't they? Short answer, no. Such a conclusion couldn't be further from the truth. So-called environmental and public protection agencies exist to hide the truth from populations, not to expose it. And so many will say this in denial, quote, those in power wouldn't do this to themselves, end quote. Too late. They already have. We're not dealing with sanity. We're dealing with power addicts. There's no cure for them. Educational degrees, in far too many cases, are actually nothing more than certificates of indoctrination, nothing more than licenses to lie with total impunity and the full backing of the matrix that supplied those degrees, the official certificate of power structure programming and indoctrination and servitude. About technology, those who control it, those who utilize it, and those who implement it for a paycheck and a pension, all bear responsibility for what's unfolding, for the utter and total decimation of the planet's life support systems and the entire web of life on which our lives completely depend. The decimation is not only on the ground, it's in our skies. As I've previously cited more than once, and forgive me for doing it again, the words of Henry David Thoreau, who's near and dear to my heart, whose writings I have relished over the years, he said this, quote, Thank God men cannot fly or they would lay waste to the sky as they have done to the earth. That time is now. On that note, next headline from multiple sources, geoengineering could invite unrest. End of headline. What an absurdly simplistic title and statement that climate engineering, a.k.a. weather warfare, could, may, might invite, quote, unrest. No, not unrest. Ongoing global weather warfare operations are ensuring 
biosphere collapse on an already badly damaged planet. And when collapse comes, and it's coming, indeed already unfolding at blinding speed, chaos and carnage will come with it on a scale that will make the Mad Max movies look like a holiday vacation. But some of the Global Controller Club sometimes reveal their secrets, don't they? At the end of last year's North American wildfire catastrophes, a wildfire dousing, crop-watering rain showed up in Canada just in time. The Canadian Premier for Manitoba, Brian Pallister, said this, quote, I want to thank the people in charge for making that rain available, end quote. Was Premier Pallister referring to climate engineering operations? Listen for yourself, for those that haven't heard this audio in the past. Here it is, a perplexing and indeed troubling statement from Premier Pallister. Uh, I just want to say uh, thanks to all uh, concerned uh, for the rain. Uh, our fire situation, though not uh, fully addressed, has uh, been significantly reduced in terms of its danger uh, as a consequence of this rain. And of course, when farmers make money, we're all better off. And uh, this is a billion dollar rain for our ag community. So uh, uh, I want to thank the people in charge uh, for making that rain available. Keep up the great work. How shocking and revealing are those statements from Premier Pallister? Let's repeat the last part of his message to the weather makers, it appears. And uh, this is a billion dollar rain for our ag community. So uh, uh, I want to thank the people in charge uh, for making that rain available. Keep up the great work. Thanks, everybody. The climate engineers control the rain, how much or how little, and how toxic. They can save crops, as Premier Pallister just acknowledged, or they can crush agriculture with drought, deluge, or chemically nucleated hailstorms and flash freeze cooldowns. Welcome to the world of weather warfare. For those that think climate engineering operations are going to save us, or even intended to, think again. These programs are actually pounding the nails into our collective coffins. Self-perpetuating climate feedback loops have been triggered, and though all destructive forms of human activity are a part of the problem, climate engineering operations are the most destructive and dangerous part of the equation. And that's saying a lot, given the total contempt with which the human race has treated our formerly thriving planet. In regard to climate feedback loops, here's a report this week from multiple sources on the most dire feedback loop of all. Here's the headline. There's trouble bubbling up in newly formed Alaskan lakes and scientists are worried, and so they should be. The report states lakes appearing in Alaska because of melting permafrost are, quote, belching methane into the atmosphere. These lakes, called thermokarsts, are so full of the climate-damaging gas that it can be seen bubbling to the surface. Again, please search Siberian methane craters. Look at the images. You'll be shocked, but you'll then better understand the scope and scale of what's unfolding. Methane deposits are thawing and releasing all over the globe. It's been happening for decades. That's what the Bermuda Triangle is all about. Seafloor methane thawing, releasing, aerating the water like a bottle of champagne. Ships go down because they have no buoyancy when that happens below them. Climate intervention operations are making the entire situation worse overall, not better. The planet's had enough. It's responding, which doesn't bode well for us. Methane is rapidly increasing in our atmosphere, covering the planet like a heat-trapping layer of glass. Heat gets in, 
but it doesn't get out. And for the record, over a 10-year time horizon, methane is 120 times more efficient at trapping atmospheric heat as compared to CO2. If methane hydrate deposits continue to thaw and release, it will soon be game over. Climate engineering is making the methane problem worse overall, not better. Here's an update on the subject of engineered drought. This recently released report is from NewScientist.com. Patterns of drought and deluge are common throughout history, but human-driven climate change, they say, is disrupting these cycles, making it more difficult to predict exactly how the current mega-drought in the southwestern North American continent will end. More to come on the catastrophic cutting off of the rain from the U.S. West by the climate engineers. Stay tuned. Catastrophic drought isn't the only crop-killing form of climate intervention operations. New from the UK Guardian, waterlogged wheat and rotting oranges. Five crops devastated by a year of extreme weather. The report states crops are struggling to grow and produce the same yields as they would under normal weather conditions. Florida's oranges torn off trees by Hurricane Ian. Just nature? Search and view geoengineeringwatch.org. Controlling Hurricane Ian. To learn more, the storm was steered. That is beyond debate. We can debate the objectives and agendas, but the storm was absolutely steered with technology that is well documented. Next, from this report, rice fields left unplanted due to the western mega drought. Next point, California's tomato crop withers and dwindles due to the western mega drought. Again, search engineered drought catastrophe target California and see what we said at geoengineeringwatch.org on the record almost 10 years ago. Everything we cited has happened. Next point from this report, wheat crops are scorched by heat and drought or deluged and drowned by rain. Next, New Mexico's chili crops flooded by extreme monsoon rains. All of these are only a few examples of the crop-crushing climate collapse consequences. And all the while, the so-called climate science community continues to pretend that global climate engineering operations aren't actually happening in our skies and thus aren't a part of this equation. Both conclusions are criminal. Let's cover more food collapse factors. Earlier this year from National Geographic, this report, how overfishing threatens the world's oceans and why it could end in catastrophe. No could, no may, no might. It's already happening. From the report, scientists have long been sounding the alarm about a looming catastrophe of ocean overfishing, the harvesting of wildlife from the sea at rates too high for species to replace themselves. Yet for two decades... The Nat Geo report says global leaders have been at an impasse in their efforts to reverse the damage that has been done. Let's stop there. It's not just overfishing. Our oceans are being poisoned. They're superheating. They're deoxygenating. They're acidifying. In short, they're dying. It's called Canfield Ocean. But many might ask, can't we just fish farm our way out of the dead ocean dilemma? Not so much. This sample headline from earlier this year paints a bleak picture. Farmed salmon, the most toxic food in the world. And in addition to being toxic, massive fish die-offs are occurring at salmon farms around the world. As much as 50,000 tons of die-off at a single salmon farm. When the oceans die, and they are, so does everything else, including us. But we're constantly told that humans are so adaptable, we just need more technology to save us from our earlier technology, to save us from ourselves, in fact. How's that going so far as we collectively hurl toward near-term extinction and planetary omnicide, the end of the web of life? Here's a so-called techno-fix example to consider. 
Also from the UK Guardian, fishless fish, the next big trend in the seafood industry. Alternative seafood, they say, is having a moment with the rise of companies like Blue Nalu and Wild Type, which has the backing of Leonardo DiCaprio, an individual who has been given geoengineeringwatch.org data and has never said a word about it. The report states cultivation starts by taking a small sample from a living fish species and cells then multiply as they would in nature. Not as they would in nature. They're doing it in a lab, in large vessels, and eventually become fatty and lean parts of a fish fillet. Sounds tasty, doesn't it? Petri dish grown fish, lab grown meat, insect burgers. While insect populations have already collapsed all over the world, the vast majority of the human population on every side of the political and belief system fence are delusional, afraid and unwilling to face the unspun truth that as a species, we have radically overplayed our hand. We've painted ourselves into a very dark corner. Here's the reality, and I fully recognize how bitter a pill this is. Most of us won't be around for much longer. At best... At worst, if the human race remains on the current course, no one gets out alive. Not opinion. Mathematical fact. On that note of good cheer, a new report from the UK Guardian. An inconvenient apocalypse, as mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast. Environmental collapse, climate crisis, and the fate of humanity. This is the title of a recently released book. The authors, Wes Jackson and Robert Jensen, two of today's most prominent writers in the fields of sustainability. They don't have high hopes for our collective future. Their thesis, the report says, can be summed up succinctly. Our current set of cascading crises isn't evidence of just a society gone badly off the rails. Rather, it's the result of basic human nature as evidenced by history and evolutionary biology. Considering that catastrophe is built into our DNA, the Guardian report then affirms that we are on a path to self-destruction. The report says the sustainability expert authors conclude this, that there's no outcome that doesn't include a massive near-term decline in the human population. Exactly as I stated a moment ago. For the record, every prior form of human technology that has been touted as proof of our ability to constantly engineer our way out of near-term resource depletion has been a form of doubling down on near-term omnicide. The agricultural revolution, GMO crops, hydrocarbon-based fertilizers, commercial livestock production, fish farms, all are example of doubling down on techno-insanity. All are examples of man's war against nature, which is ultimately a war against ourselves. It's a battle that is about to be lost on a scale that is and will continue to be incomprehensible to almost all until total collapse takes place. And that moment draws perilously near. On that note, more bad news to back up the conclusions just cited. This recent report from multiple sources, Big Agriculture warns farming must change or risk, quote, destroying the planet. From that report, agriculture is the world's largest industry. Pasture and cropland occupy around 50% of the planet's habitable land and uses about 70% of fresh water supplies. The climate crisis is challenging the industry across the world. It's not just the climate crisis. Climate engineering, the censored subject, is an even larger part of the equation, a core part of the climate crisis, making it far worse, not better. Let's keep moving. More updates this week on insect collapse. If they die, we die. 
from numerous sources, are insects doomed? New study shows added threat of climate change. Again, no mention of climate engineering, no surprise. The report states the swings in temperature, i.e. weather temperature whiplash, core red flag of climate engineering, that accompany global warming could spell trouble for insect populations. No could, no may, no might. The climate science community doesn't know how to tell the truth. More trouble for insect populations the world relies on for pollination and food production. Fluctuations in temperature increase the risk of insect extinction in the decades ahead. We're already 80 to 90% there. It's not going to mathematically take decades. It will take to about the middle of this decade on the current trajectory, but still we have the deception from the so-called science community. The report continues, catastrophic events can represent conditions that are too hot or too cold for insects, which, being cold-blooded, cannot generate their own form of internal heat. The report says, we found that there were an increasing number of events where the population crashed to zero under future climate simulations. Insect population collapse, they say, would devastate the food chain and sanitation, which depends on insects for cross-pollination and waste disposal. Not would devastate. Is devastating. Again, 80 to 90% decline now, today. Next headline, same theme from last week. The insect apocalypse is coming to your neighborhood. No, it's already here. Can the equation get any worse? Short answer, yes. Climate engineering patents call for polymer microfibers that are showing up all over the globe from Mount Everest to the North Pole, South Pole, and every breath we take. With the microfiber scenario in mind, this next headline from multiple sources this week from cbsnews.com, the world's largest whales likely consume about 10 million pieces of microplastic every day off California's coast, along with larger pieces of plastic. The study finds, the study estimates nearly 100 pounds of plastic are being consumed by the largest whales every single day. How can the whales survive like this? They can't, and they won't. And about the effect of polymer microfibers on our forests and farms, this headline from last week, a lasting impact, microplastics settling into soil. Report states microplastics in soil cause the soil to repel water. Worst case scenario would be something like a dry dead zone where microbial activity is significantly reduced. Now let's add aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, graphene, dead soils, dead trees, dead crops. Is it all part of the grand plan of the global controllers? You decide. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the Bad News Broadcast, installment number 378, November 5th, 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on AM and FM stations in Florida, Texas, two stations in San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, two Colorado stations, including Denver, There's Portland, Oregon, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Santa Cruz, Tucson, San Bernardino, Washington State, Alabama, New York State, two stations in the far north of California, and now in North and South Carolina. Geoengineeringwatch.org wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary titled The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share it is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. 
sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the dimming or global alert news or any other geoengineering watch or video on YouTube, please subscribe, share and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. About reaching those that still aren't looking up, Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Our only goal, to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high quality printed materials and just added climate engineering conversation starters. Our new Geoengineering Watch t-shirts, scannable business cards, and bumper stickers. All effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. That's how you plant a seed of awareness, and doing so is the first and most important leap we can make toward getting the as-of-yet uninformed to start looking up. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out. As we awaken our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in, i.e. their own demise and ours. And there's this footnote. If you want to share a picture with geoengineeringwatch.org, shirts perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, busy street downtown, etc., please send your photo to us so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. Moving on, next headline from AGU Geophysical Research Letters. It's American Geophysical Union. Climate change is closing daily temperature gap. Clouds could be the cause. This report states climate change, they say, is shrinking the difference between the daily high temperature and the daily low in many parts of the world. The gap between the two temperatures is known as the diurnal temperature range, the DTR. It has a significant effect on growing seasons, on crop yields, residential energy consumption, and human health issues related to heat stress. But why and where the DTR shrinks with climate change has been something of a mystery. Now, it's a mystery because they won't acknowledge solar radiation management operations. The report then says researchers who are part of a new international study that examined the DTR at the end of the 21st century believe that they have found the answer, an increase in clouds which blocks incoming shortwave radiation from the sun during the day. They say clouds play a vital role in the diurnal temperature variation by modulating solar radiation processes, which consequently affect the heat exchange at the land surface. Yes, exactly what we are told the effect will be with SRM jet sprayed toxic particulate clouds that look completely unnatural because they are completely unnatural, that are fueling the exact scenario the so-called experts in this report have apparently figured out, except that they haven't figured it out because they lack the courage to tell the truth. Let's take a moment to listen to a very short audio of an ABC chief meteorologist that told at least part of the truth. Here it is. Is geoengineering real? ABC Channel 7 chief meteorologist Mike Kruger recently made the following statements on the air, which were recorded by geoengineeringwatch.org. And geoengineering is indeed a real study. It's a real thing that is being conducted in many different ways. Geoengineering, which is legitimate and real and not dangerous, Um, at least chemical-wise. Let's recap that. Geoengineering is real, he says, but not dangerous, at least not chemical-wise. So says the ABC chief meteorologist. Is he telling the truth? I'll leave it to the listener to decide. Climate intervention operations fuel extreme weather. Keep that in mind. Drought and deluge scenarios within the same borders. 
record heat and record cold within the same regions at the same time. With all that in mind, consider this new headline from CBS News. Extreme weather whiplashes are California's, quote, new climate reality, end quote. Scientists say such weather whiplash is likely to become more common as the planet warms. It will take more than a few winter storms to help the state dig out of drought. The weather and temperature whiplash scenarios are harbingers of climate intervention operations, the reality that no one is allowed to admit. So in Northern California, including my location in the formerly thriving forest on the east side of Lake Shasta, they're now all dying. We've gone from six months of scorching summer to the following in the span of a few days. From AccuWeather, colder air is setting the table for rounds of heavy snow, they say, and chilly rain in the west. Emphasis on the chilly rain part, and here's why. The report says... Rain and mountain snow will expand in scope across the western United States this week as a vigorous storm system ushers in some much-needed moisture for the region. Temperatures are poised to take a nosedive across the western states as exceptionally chilly air for early November sweeps across the region. Yes, started on November 1st, right on schedule. 30-degree temperature drop at night in one day. For the record, at this window of time, Western North America is the only region in the Northern Hemisphere that's being subjected to below so-called normal temperatures, which are moved higher every year via climate engineering operations and chemical ice nucleation, cloud seeding of storm moisture. Literally all other terrestrial locations in the rest of the Northern Hemisphere, including the eastern half of North America, are at above normal temperatures, many at record high temperatures for this time of year. Record highs even though the temperatures are being underreported. Conversely, engineered cool-down temperatures are overreported. Thus, the equation is skewed to mask the true severity of planetary meltdown. Chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding contains surfactants. Lab testing proves this. Surfactants are what makes soap slick. Keep that in mind. Slick snow. Ice where it wouldn't normally be. What happens? Icy crash involving six semis on I-80 in Nevada. Just one recent example. Related to climate engineering? You decide. Why is Geoengineering Watch the only source that is desperately attempting to disclose the toxic engineered winter surface cooldowns? All are needed in the effort to disclose this core aspect of climate engineering. What else are they spraying in our skies? Defoliants? Was that in the last rain? The answer is likely yes. This is the season in which they use them. What's the result? Leaves on deciduous trees die on the tree. They shrivel up and hang there until heavy winds blow them off. Trees in sheltered spots now often have hanging dead leaves all winter. This is wrong. This is not nature. This is forced defoliation, a desperate attempt to force deciduous trees into dormancy because naturally cold winters are no longer occurring. Populations would wonder if the leaves never dropped. Farmers in California have been using forced dormancy chemicals for years. The U.S. military started chemically defoliating jungles in Vietnam over 50 years ago. Yet, the majority of populations ignore all that I've just described, and they ignore it at their own peril. Again, in the pre-climate engineering chemical ice nucleation world. Clear nights were cooler than cloud-covered and rainy nights. No more. In our current increasingly nightmarish reality, atmospheric moisture is constantly seeded with climate engineering chemical ice nucleation elements. 
The last desperate attempt by the controllers to create toxic surface cooldowns to mask the true severity of planetary meltdown till the last possible moment. We can see on satellite imagery when storms move in. They're not even storms. I don't want to call them that. They're drifting masses of sprayed toxic filth in the skies. Very different from historical weather patterns. And when this moisture moves in, they aerosolize it with so many particles that we have half the western U.S. covered with largely rainless cloud canopy. That's not normal, not historically speaking. That's because of the excess aerosols that are being sprayed into these clouds that creates a cold, dense layer that descends to the surface. And eventually, at the scheduled time, a few drips and drizzles start to come out. Occasionally, a stronger shower occurs. But everything is tainted at this point. The pendulum of weather whiplash from the eastern U.S. to the western U.S. and back again has still brought no meaningful rain in the West. An AccuWeather report from this week stated that it's been a rather dry start to autumn across the western U.S. No, not rather dry. Worst drought in 1,200 years. That's not rather dry. The report states a dip in the jet stream and a storm pushing into the northwest on Monday coming up will set the stage for wave after wave of storms to push through the area. They will provide snow and help with any lingering drought. As if this is going to change 15 years of drought since 2007. They then say the West is just beginning its traditional wet season, so there's a potential for much more rain and snow over the next few months. Let's stop there. This is the same public pacification narrative from last year when there was headline after headline in the fall about the, quote, drought-busting snowpocalypse. Is that how it all worked out? Of course not. But the power structure-controlled mainstream media headlines successfully pacified populations till the climate engineers again completely shut down the flow of rain into the West. We had a virtually rainless winter where I live. Zero rain from the end of December to the beginning of April. Nothing. We should have had 50 inches. We had nothing. The climate engineers cutting off the rain is not speculation. It's verifiable fact proven by satellite imagery. Let's move on with another half-truth headline from so-called academia. This one from Yale Environment 360. Drought, fire, and insects destroyed nearly a third of southern Sierra Nevada forest in last decade. From that report, in just 10 years, fires, drought, and insect infestation have devastated close to a third of the forest in the southern Sierra Nevada mountains. Over the same period, 85%, 85% of the region's dense mature forests either died or were substantially thinned. Let's stop there for corrections. First, much more than a third of the lower elevation forests have perished. Second, climate engineering is the core causal factor in this equation, cutting off the flow of precipitation, destroying the ozone layer, which fries the trees from the top. The rain that does fall is toxic, which kills soil microbial and root systems. The beetles, dead trees, and subsequent fires are all inseparable from climate intervention operations. Search This report headline, Wildfires Serve Geoengineering Agenda. It's one of our most important reports. Next, from CBS News, higher water level at Lake Shasta is actually another sign of worsening drought. There are false narratives circulating that the western dams are empty because officials are letting too much water out. This isn't true. The dams are empty because the climate engineers are cutting off the rain. My location on the east side of Lake Shasta is over 500 inches of rain short since 2007. 
500. They are barely letting water out of the dams. And that's why the water level behind the dam in Lake Shasta was actually higher than this time last year. And the same has occurred in Lake Mead. And of course, in Lake Mead, the climate engineers also pump significant monsoonal moisture in the exact headwater region for the lake. Just a coincidence? You decide. They were trying to take the attention off of the dropping lake level. Too much global attention. In the case of Lake Mead, which has 40 million downstream users. More on that in a moment. But a report I just covered on Lake Shasta. There was the following statement from the owner of a resort that fronts Lake Shasta. He said, quote, I just look up at the sky and what it gives us is what it gives us, end quote. I have personally passed on geoengineeringwatch.org printed materials to a number of Lake Shasta resort owners. What did this owner mean when he made that statement? I'll let the listener decide. Back to the Colorado River situation. The overall scenario continues in the wrong direction. This headline from this week. New push to shore up shrinking Colorado River could reduce water flow to states. Report states, with the Colorado River reservoirs continuing to decline, federal officials announced plans to revise their current rules for dealing with shortages and will pursue a new agreement to achieve larger reductions in water use throughout the Southwest. Water from the Colorado River is used by 40 million people flowing to cities, farmlands, and tribal nations from the Rocky Mountains to Southern California. The river has long been over-allocated. So much water is diverted that the river's delta in Mexico largely dried up decades ago. As I've stated in previous broadcasts, I spent much of my childhood in Mexico on the Colorado River Delta. It was absolute paradise, and it pains me deeply to know that it is gone, dead dried up, and that climate engineering is core to the entire equation. Next headline from weatherzone.com, Australia getting hammered by two jet streams. The report states, the two jet streams are currently clashing into each other above Australia, and it's causing an unseasonable mix of dangerous weather in several states and territories. What kinds of dangerous weather? Record flooding, late season, anomalous snow, and wildfires all at once. Does that combination sound normal in any way? Welcome to Climate Intervention Operations. Next headline this week from the land down under. Freak hailstorm transforms western Australia town into icy wonderland. Report states Australia's southeast set for snowfall as unseasonal cold snap strikes. Again, from constant flooding to snow. Another headline, this one from the Washington Post. Europe is seeing its warmest weather on record so late in the year. Next headline, same theme. This one from scmp.com. Unusual heat, growing concern over warm spell across Europe. As I stated in the beginning of this broadcast, currently and for the next week to 10 days, the only anomalously less warm region in the entire northern hemisphere is the eastern half of North America. The rest is above normal. Think about that. This is in an overall context over terrestrial regions, i.e. land. As the walls close in from every direction and climate engineering rages in our skies, how many are choosing to pick up a cheap ocean cruise ticket and pretend that it's all going to work itself out somehow? And what are the cruise ships doing to the little life that's left in our oceans. From many sources, this recent report, beyond spills, intentional dumping of oils 
fouls the world's oceans. From the report, when a ship inadvertently spills oil, it's big news. But according to an investigation by the Outlaw Ocean Project, a nonprofit journalism organization based in Washington, D.C., cumulative every three years, ships intentionally dump more oil than the Exxon Valdez and the BP spills combined. The cruise ships, the report states, that parade their passengers across oceans that they pretend are pristine are routinely dumping not just huge quantities of the most toxic types of waste oil below the waterline behind the ships, but also their sewage. Is this any surprise? If the cruise ships are doing this, and they are, of course military ships are doing exactly the same, and countless commercial vessels. The case is set in a broader context of other forms of out-to-sea dumping, such as plastic pollution, and highlights how the sea has long and perilously been viewed as a bottomless trash pit for some of the most toxic elements on the planet. How incredibly insane is this equation? For a short time, I once agreed to co-host a Christian radio show in order to cover environmental issues. On, I believe, the third session of the broadcast, the self-proclaimed Christian host brought up his opinion of ocean dumping. And here it is. He said he believed that God intended the oceans to be a place where humans could continuously dump anything and everything, no matter how toxic, without consequence. I was completely shocked at the host's statements. I challenged the absurdity of thinking. It wasn't just okay to use the oceans as a toxic waste dump, but in his opinion, actually, this was sanctioned by the Creator. I then stated on the live broadcast for the public to hear that I refused to be associated with the host's unimaginable hypocrisy. I disconnected from the broadcast and have never communicated with this host or broadcast since. And here's my point. How many try to convince themselves of the same, that it's somehow okay to lay waste to nature, to creation, if that's what it takes to keep the loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute party going a bit longer? How many choose to focus on anything and everything but the willful killing of the planet's life support systems on which our lives and the lives of our children completely depend? Politics, sports games, and the latest material acquisitions remain the top priority for far too many. They choose to believe that their priorities are reasonable, rational, and even moral, but they're not. Question how many who claim to be dedicated followers of a specific faith behave and believe, just like the radio show host that I just covered, justifying whatever feels convenient to support their personal perspective. How many believe that they've found the only truth and everyone else is wrong? There are thought to be over 4,000 known recognized belief systems, i.e. religions. Can they all be right? Does any single belief system have a monopoly on the truth? Did the Creator pass on a franchise of the truth to one particular group and abandon the rest? Or in fact, is it far more rational to conclude that no specific institution has a monopoly on the truth? Is it more rational to conclude that nuggets of truth are scattered everywhere by the Creator. And it's up to us, each of us, all of us, to dig them out, to use and utilize our God-given senses of reason and logic to sift the truth from the dogma 
and or deception. We were given this sense of reason for a reason. We are expected to utilize such profound God-given gifts. It's not just an option. It's an obligation. The complete collapse of what has been is a given. It's already unfolding. There's no fixing it. At least not in the ways that so many would like to believe. There's no curing the cancer of control that has long since driven us into this dark place. Elections are nothing more than orchestrated divide and conquer distraction, a polarizing of the population to such a degree that they are utterly blind to the oncoming train of total collapse. Nero fiddles as Rome burns, so the proverb goes. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. That quote, of course, from J.R. Tolkien's trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, an inarguable nugget of truth. I read the trilogy when I was 12. When I was 14, the writings of the Stoics crossed my path. I was moved to the core. My life was forever altered. And many falsely believed that the Stoics were agnostics. And this couldn't be further from the truth. The Stoics argued this. When you see a sword that fits perfectly into a sheath, you know there was an artisan, a creator. How much more miraculous is all of creation that surrounds us, that we are a part of? It's not mere chance or random occurrence. It's miraculous, beyond any true comprehension, and yes, we are a part of it. And no matter how dark the horizon, all that we are ever responsible for, all that the Creator ever asks of us, is to play our individual part with honor, with virtue, with courage, with conviction. And if we do this, if we refuse to abandon our morality, no matter what we face, the story ends well. Though the odds are against us, if we stand together with absolute unyielding resolve in our efforts to fully expose the insanity, to turn the tide, we could yet accomplish profound good even at this late hour. We are all part of a grand game of chess. Learning how to effectively and efficiently wake those around us and teaching them to do the same is the great imperative. Only with an army of the awakened and the engaged do we have any chance of turning the tide. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. Please, make your voice heard. Make every day count. Stay strong. Stay focused. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.